I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm up with the larks this morning, doing my exercises. Running on the spot, touching my toes and doing star jumps. All the very exhausting things I have to do in order to keep this old body of mine in trim. I've put a nice cuppa from Todmorden in the blue room directly beneath me, and I remember this too late. Goodness knows what they'll make of all this thumping about from the attic. Next, I'm clattering about making breakfasts. I like to fry up 20 eggs to utter perfection before the first of my guests emerge. Symmetrical golden yolks, exactly centred, and then 30 crispy curls of bacon with a golden fringe of fat. I think I'm doing a good job here, looking after my guests as they pass through the doors of my B&B and wanting me to look after them. There was a couple this morning asking me for recommendations. What did I think they should see of the town? The Abbey or the museum? Was it worth taking a trip along the coast to look at Robin Hood's Bay? I've not even been here a season and already I'm an expert. I know quite a lot about this town and what's nice to do. Of course, there are secret things about this town that I already know, though I wouldn't tell any of my guests about those in case I inadvertently put the willies up them. I wouldn't want them fleeing from my establishment without paying. Breakfast done, I wave my various guests from the blue, purple and orange rooms off on their separate days out, and then I turn to the mammoth amount of dishes that need doing. I'm interrupted by a telephone call from Effie, who only lives next door, of course, but who tends to have long lie-ins reading romance novels with the telephone to hand. She tells me her most shameful secret is to eat fancy chocolates in the morning as she sits there in bed. <laughs> Though you'd never believe it. There's hardly a picking on the skinny old mare. Brenda's B&B? 
I put on my grandest phone voice to make her chuckle. Morning, Brenda, she says. Oh, how are you feeling, ducky? Actually, rather better than I have a right to, I tell her. And I can tell from Effie's voice on the other end that she's feeling gruesome today. Last night was cabaret evening at the Christmas Hotel and we went along to see a popular local combo called Denise and Weekly. They do numbers from famous musicals. She sings and he accompanies her with his electronic organ and then they go into their exorcism routine in which Denise has her demons cast out by her husband who turns out to be a defrocked vicar. It's quite a good show, though alarming the first time you see it. The disco was hits from the 70s and it was two for one on the spirits so Effie and I got a bit unnecessary having a bop and knocking it back like it was somebody's wedding. Of course, I never really get drunk, and so the effects on me aren't anything like what poor Effie has to endure, as she lies there in bed with her bodice rippers and her luxury truffles. Oh, I feel proper nauseous, she moans. Why ever did we say we'd go out again tonight? Did we? I wonder. That's not something I would usually do, not these days, not two nights on the trot. It sounds like I'm slipping into a dissolute lifestyle, gallivanting on weeknights. I'm not sure that's very appropriate for the respectable owner of a high-toned guesthouse. You remember, Brenda, we made a promise last night. I'm not sure I remember any such thing. All I recall is the usual festive hullabaloo of the Christmas hotel and swarms of elderly fun-seekers in their party frocks doing the conger and the birdie dance. Oh, hang on. There's a thought. Don't you remember seeing Barry Lurcher, Brenda? TV's famous puppeteer from yesteryear. It took quite a shine to you last night. How could you have forgotten that? All of a sudden, in a queasy-making dazzle, I'm having a flashback to the night before. <laughs> Effie and I have just tottered off the dance floor following two back-to-back -back Barry Whites and Adonna Summer. We're glowing with exertion and hurrying to our table, where we left our coats and bags unattended. Effie elbows her way to the bar, though I actually think we've had our fill. At our table, the two free chairs have been taken by a youngish woman who seems quite out of it, and a man with a vast belly and an impressively bushy beard. My dear, we've occupied more than half your table. I hope that you'll forgive us. I say, of course, so long as you haven't been through our pockets and bags. <laughs> he looks rather blankly at me, and though he doesn't appreciate my sense of humour and has a thick hull accent, I still think he's quite a catch. Going through your things? I should think not. I just wish I wasn't sneezing so much all evening. I'm wearing a new batwing jumper I've knitted in spangly black mohair, and it's playing havoc with my sinuses. I am Barry Lurcher, and this is Abigail, my darling wife and sometime assistant. Oh, I say. 
Just as I'm about to ask what he needs assistance with, I see that they have someone or something else sitting with them. It's a giant bat with over-large ears and wings made like the rest of him out of somewhat moth-eaten black felt and fun-fur fabric. I remark on the bat and the creature swings round its head to glare at me. It has fearsome green eyes and a livid red mouth full of needle-like teeth. I give a jump and then I realise that it's only a puppet. The man's arm is wedged up the creature's backside. This is Tolstoy, the long-eared bat. Star of stage and screen for more than 40 years. Goodness, what a sweet puppet. Shh, don't go calling him sweet. Who's this mouldy old ratbag? She looks like a zombie drag queen. I draw in a sharp breath. I think Tolstoy likes you. Barry is beaming at me through his beard and then Effie joins us, bringing vodka and lime. She looks puzzled at first and then she claps eyes on the amusing bat. Oh, my goodness, Tolstoy, she squawks, thunking the drinks down on the table and spilling some. Christ! Here's another frazzled old floozy. What are you doing, Barry? Can't you get any younger ones? There aren't any younger ones here, I'm afraid, Tolstoy, old chum. Just a load of old women. At least you can pick out some with big knockers. Look at these two. Pitiful. Well, I'm too shocked to speak. This puppet is saying terrible things. I mean, of course, this man is saying terrible things through his puppet. I'll say this much for Barry, though. You can't see his lips budge an inch when Tolstoy is talking. Abigail sits there, simpering into space, ignoring all of us. I turn to Effie and see a look of enchantment on her face. She cracks out laughing at every horrible word Tolstoy says. Oh, he's just the same, she chortles. Still the same cheeky old bat. And then she reaches out to tickle behind one of the puppet's ears. He doesn't look all that clean to me as he wriggles about, enjoying Effie's attention. Look, Brenda, she grins. Don't you remember Tolstoy from children's television all those years ago? He was so rude and naughty. It wasn't that many years ago. What yours, missus? I've never really been one for watching much telly, I say. I don't mean to sound so stiff and disapproving. I've just never heard of this puppet before. <laughs> we won't hold that against you, my dear. Effie pipes up. He have been one of your fans for decades, Mr Lurcher. But what are you doing in Whitby? So Barry Lurcher explains that he and Tolstoy are the new cabaret attraction here this month. When's your first show? Effie asks. Tomorrow evening. Tolstoy and I will make our Christmas hotel debut at the witching hour. Will you two lovely ladies promise to be there? Effie claps her hands together. Oh, of course, won't we, Brenda? Your chunky friend of the nasty jumper doesn't look so sure. Tolstoy, she's just well built. I fix them both with a beady stare. You don't know the half of it, chum. And it seems to me that the long-eared bat's eyes glint at me with extra malice. I shall look forward to seeing you then. So, that's how we end up promising, though it's the last thing I feel like doing, traipsing up the Westcliff for another raucous night out, all for the sake of a rude hand puppet. It's not about the puppet, 
Effiga falls down the foam. Don't you think the puppet master had his eye on one of us? I'm scandalised. He's married. His wife was sitting there at the table with us. Effie sighs. I read an article in a mag at the hairdressers all about how his is a loveless marriage in name only, according to insiders. Apparently, the spark went out long ago, and now she's just the assistant. Effie seems very well up on showbiz gossip. In the end, I give in and finish off the phone call, wondering what on earth I'm going to wear. I arrived here in Whitby with one bag of clothes, so I'm not over-endowed with glad rags. Most of my things got left behind. In my last place, when I fled... But I'm not thinking about any of that now. The day passes pleasantly enough and I'm in a kind of trance as I go round with my duster and the U-bank. There's something soothing about mundane tasks. I feel like I've been doing them for 200 years or more. And that's a lot of dust and muck to dispose of when you think about it. It's a mild afternoon, so I go out with a mug of tea and sit in my small patch of back garden. It's adorned with some demonic statues and boxed in by hedges, and here I can sit and listen to wood pigeons and watch squirrels. I'm interrupted by my couple from Todmorden. Both ladies are wearing sun hats and carrying bagfuls of souvenirs from their day out. They join me for a cuppa in the sun and they tell me about the junk shops they visited in Robin Hood's Bay. It's a quaint town built on a very steep piece of shoreline and the streets wind about each other in complicated tiers. Rather like an Escher print, as the younger of the women points out. It turns out they're both called Mary. They tell me that they found a terribly old-fashioned toy shop tucked away in the most obscure corner of that town. It was perched on a bridge high above a trickling stream. The two Marys ventured inside, and they went back into a world of clockwork clowns, tin robots, wooden masks and puppets made from lustrous fur. The shop smelled wonderfully of wood shavings and something else. Gingerbread, says the older Mary. Snow on Christmas morning, says the other, and they both laugh. They have bagfuls of presents for nieces and neighbours, and they found the shop owner to be a wonderful old eccentric who has worked there all his life. And though I think we trotted along every hidden passageway, I don't recoil a toy shop like this. Judging by the curios with which I've decorated the rooms of my B&B, the two Marys believe I'd be delighted by Grenoble's toys. I make a mental note of the name and ask Effie about it later when she's dragging indoors antiques she's been displaying outside her shop. A rail of cocktail dresses, a tailor's dummy draped in beads and feathers and an old gramophone that's been playing crackly old tunes all afternoon. They must have got it wrong, those Marys, says Effie, pulling a face. If it's been there forever, I'd have known about it. Then she eyes me speculatively and asks if I'm ready for the evening's entertainment. Then she's dragging me indoors to inspect a vintage frock, 
It's aubergine and covered in black embroidery. And even though it's the size of a tent when I try it on in her bathroom, it still pinches under my arms. It'll be fine, just so long as you don't do the actions to Agadoo on the dance floor. Go on, have it, it's yours. She won't take a penny payment off me. That's the thing about Effie. She might be shrewish sometimes, but she's kind deep down. Well, then I'm titivating myself, bathing in scented oils and powdering myself like mad. I try not to look at the scarred battleground of my body as I stand in my bathroom. I blot all those markings away with talc. Then I tug on my dressing gown and sit at my mirror. It's time to slather on layers of concealer, foundation, and every unguent I can make stick. I ply on my finest lashes and finally brush up my towering beehive, laminate it with hairspray and place it ceremonially upon my head. Like a queen in Westminster Abbey taking delivery of her crown. Then I slip into the voluminous party frock and some suitably dark shoes with heels as high as I dare go. Not having a full-length mirror, I make do with the one in the hall, peering at myself at odd angles and... Do you know what? I'm not at all displeased with the effect. I knew you'd brush up well, Effie tells me when I go round. She herself is in a crimson wraparound number with a daring amount of somewhat crepey cleavage on show. She's had something frizzed under her hair. By the way, have you seen this? She hands me the evening paper to look at while she goes round doing up her window locks. The headlines scream that the crispy cat has carried out its fifth murder of the year. One of the ladies from the heritage gift shop at the Abbey has been found with her face chewed off. Oh, dear, I say. Quite, says Effie, shouldering her clutch bag. We should have dealt with that monstrosity when we had the chance in the last episode. Now we're heading out the door for another night out with a wild beast on the loose, a man-eater at that. Not that you'd find a lack of those on the dance floor at the Christmas Hotel. In the lavish foyer, we run straight into the owner of the whole place, attended by a horde of fit young men in tight-fitting elf costumes. Mrs. Claus sits up in her wheeled bath chair, looking like nothing else on earth. Her hair is fir-tree green, teased to a point, and studded with silver balls. Her frock is woven from strings of purple tinsel. Fairy lights bedeck every visible inch of her, and her makeup is just like a clown's. Welcome, dear ladies, she shrieks at us. Her voice could curdle Advocar. Take your places in the grand ballroom for the Barry Lurcher experience. We are ushered past the Yuletide hag by her festive minions and taken deep inside the Christmas hotel. There is a surging crowd of pensioners all eager to see the show. Effie seems just as excited as everyone else, but I can't see what's to get worked up about over a puppet show. I'm still new here. Perhaps Whitby is a town where novelty is rare. 
Effie dashes amongst the cabaret tables to make sure we get a decent spot, fairly near the front. After a warm-up act from a poor impressionist, on comes Barry Lurcher with his doleful-looking wife. She's wearing a magician's assistant-type bikini, and I reflect that all those sequins aren't doing anything for her hangdog expression. Barry's act turns out to be music hall stuff, daft old jokes and ancient routines. <laughs> but despite myself, I'm kept in stitches throughout. Barry has a wicker hamper from which processes a host of animal puppets, each with their own personality. Each of them banters with Barry, but the obvious highlight is when Tolstoy, the long-eared bat, emerges from the darkest recesses of that hamper. Under spotlights, the bat looks more fiendish than ever. He engages in nasty repartee with the audience, making individuals stand up so he can heap insults upon them, much to the hilarity of everyone else. Effie and I sit in a state of pleasurable near-panic, hoping that Tolstoy won't pick on us. Oh, what a marvellous audience you've all been tonight. Thank you so much for being terrific good sports. We're all very grateful, aren't we, Tolstoy? I've seen more life in a flaming morgue. Look at this stage of you lot. What a bunch of freaking stiffs. It doesn't matter how rude Tolstoy is. The audience just laps it up. Barry Lurcher takes his bows to thunderous approval. Go and boil your heads, coffin dodgers. Then, miraculously, comes the highlight of the act. We are all astonished and dumbstruck. It happens as Barry finishes taking his elaborate bows. He holds up the devilish bat, who flexes out his tattered wings, wider than a good-sized brolly. Then he flaps them and takes off into the glittering air. Tolstoy flies, unaided, up into the rafters. He circles the ballroom three times, and we all hold our breath. Look at me, you scabby old buggers! Just look at me go! <laughs> How do you think we're doing this, eh, with strings? With smoke and mirrors? Then he's dive-bombing the audience. He swoops and makes lightning raids on particular tables. Screams ring out and glasses are smashed. And I just know Tolstoy is going to come for me. I steal a glance at the stage where Barry is beaming at his charge's naughtiness. Look out below! <laughs> Effie is elbowing me like mad. Next thing I know, those satanic eyes and the rest of the puppet are upon me. He's caught up in my beehive, slashing with his grinning mouthful of teeth. My hands grasp his furred and matted body. He feels surprisingly substantial and strong, even muscular beneath the dirty fun fur fabric. The rest of the ballroom is silent for a moment, and then they all roar with laughter at my predicament. Effie tries feebly to help, but is rewarded by a slashing wing in the mush and falls backwards onto a chair. Tolstoy is like a maddened beast, lashing out feverishly. A whole hank of my wig is between his jaws and I can see he won't let go. I won't give him the satisfaction of screaming. This is starting to seem like a struggle to the death, all played out against a soundtrack of mocking laughter. Then, finally, there comes a cry from the stage. That's easy enough! 
Tolstoy, leave the poor old thing alone. The horrid claws relinquish their grip at once. I fall back on my chair, aware at once of the mephitic stench of the bat, brimstone and fagash. My eyes go a bit swimmy, but I'm aware of the beast flapping across the ballroom to alight gracefully, like a kestrel on Barry Lurcher's arm. Ah, a big hand, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a huge round of applause for such an amazing sport. Wasn't she extraordinary? A blooming spotlight comes on me just as I'm straightening my hairdo, which is in tatters. I'm still struggling for breath, but luckily the lights go down and the disco starts. This allows Effie to help me to the ladies so I can repair myself. I'm at the sink, shaking. Effie makes me sip her vodka and orange. Eh, that wasn't funny, was it? Are you okay, Ducky? You look a bit, well, green. It was a shock, that's all. I'd have had conniptions if he'd come after me like that. You're a brave woman, Brenda. Then she's hoiking out her makeup bag and fussing at my face. I flinch when she touches my skin. I don't want her feeling the puckers and gathers of my scars. It's all right, Effie. I can manage. Poor you, she sighs. You know, something always happens at the Christmas hotel. Oh, sometimes you can have a right nice night out. Other times it's like there's something in the air. Something evil, she goes on. And it was literally in the air tonight. Tolstoy is much nastier now than he used to be on telly. It's like the mouthy, moth-bitten puppet of yesteryear has turned spiteful and bitter. She empties her glass. I suppose that could happen to the best of us. But why would Tolstoy want to pick on me, I wonder? I remember Barry's attentions of the previous night. Now they seem more sinister than flirtatious. I tell Effie, it's no ordinary puppet, you know. How on earth did he get it to fly like that and do everything it was doing? I don't know, says Effie. I can see in the mirror that her eyes are lighting up. She can scent a mystery through all the vodka fumes. It was like a creature possessed, I say. It was like fighting for my wig with a demon from hell. We exchange a half-worried, half-excited glance. Then a toilet flushes and some tipsy old deer comes out of a cubicle, making for the sinks. We put our conflab on hiatus. It won't do if word gets out that we investigate supernatural shenanigans. It's the kind of gossip that can easily spread. But we both have an inkling that the famous puppeteer, Barry Lurcher, is consorting with dark forces. Let's get ourselves home. I think we've had enough light entertainment for one night. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. 
BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I take Effie's advice and have a quiet day. I wave off my Todmorden ladies, having fed them a vegetarian smorgasbord, and I have no more guests until Friday. Effie and I take a walk four miles along the cliff tops to Robin Hood's Bay. She regales me en route with tales from her childhood. When she used to come here with her aunts, it was a lot wilder. They'd pick up ammonite fossils and shards of jet. Did you know jet was meant to ward off demons, Brenda? It was said to emit vapours, inimical to those of a satanic bent. Perhaps we should stock up, I suggest, only half-joking. In my dreams last night, I was plagued by the flapping of velvet wings. As we get to the hillier parts of our walk, I'm wishing I'd put on stouter shoes. The wind gets whippy as we toddle through the steep town, past cheery shops and bunting-strewn pubs, past displays of shark jaws, buckets and spades and sun-faded postcards. I'm starting to shrug off my residual nightmares and enjoy that nicest of treats, the unplanned day off. We sit on the beach with parcels of steaming fish and chips. Effie produces a hip flask of sweet sherry from her bottomless handbag. I breathe in the whole horizon. All the fibres of my being are thrumming with something very like atavistic joy. I want to run about at the damp brown sand and into the freezing, foaming shallows of the sea. Effie counsels caution, though, since it all looks a bit slippy. She's known a few come a cropper in Robin Hood's Bay. We set about an afternoon's perusal of the quaint shops in the confusing alleyways. We duck under stone arches and creep along ginnels, and I keep banging my head on hanging flower baskets. I'm wandering about somewhere for a cuppa when I realise I'm facing the bow-windowed front of an old-fashioned toy shop with the display that's been lovingly assembled. This is it! Grenoble's shop, just as the Marys described it, with toy soldiers and biplanes and teddies and locomotives. Effie totters up and has a look. I don't think I was very keen on toys when I was a girl, she said. There wasn't much money for fripperies back then. The sign says it's been open here since 1818, I gasp. 
It's been here forever, just like the Marys said. Effie's not that interested. Where shall we go for tea? When I open the door, there's a volley of tinkling bells and I have to hunker down to get inside, a bit like Alice squeezing into Wonderland. All I see at first inside are wooden shelves stacked to capacity with coloured boxes. Then a mechanical hummingbird whizzes past my head. When my eyes make sense of the place, I realise I can see goggling glass eyes staring at me from every vantage point. The room is crammed with dolls, puppets, stuffed animals. There's a ravishing smell of fresh paint and wood shavings, but also hot tobacco-y scent of ginger and rum and sunsets. Far away places, all caught up in the curling blue smoke. The source of the aroma is a rumpled old man wearing a fez crouching on a puffy. His jeweller's eyepiece makes him look alert and suspicious. He's whittling a squirrel out of soft wood with a brutal-looking chisel. I've nothing here for old women. He gives us a glance that takes Effie's breath away, she says later. In fact, she adds, the whole place makes her feel very creepy indeed. Well, can't we just browse, I ask. Everything's so marvellous and oldy-worldy. He shrugs malevolently, and Effie and I set about peering into cabinets and displays. We ooh and ah over tiny robots beaten out of tin, and toy mice decked out as Victorian gents and ladies. Crystal swans and geese and rubber clowns queue up for rides at a steam-powered fairground. But there are no prices on anything. Too expensive for you. All this stuff isn't for you. What do old women like? Knitting and watching the wrestling and discussing death and disease and their horrible relations. You don't know anything about fun. You've forgotten what it is, haven't you? Effie is examining a tomb of the Pharaoh playset and she gasps at his rudeness. What would you know, nasty old man? I don't call that very nice customer service. Then he turns that clockmaker's eyepiece on me, and it looks kaleidoscopic. And what about you? Why are you hanging about with a dry old stick like her? You look much more interesting than her. Who are you? Effie gasps. Brenda, I think he's making a pass at you. I suggest you get behind me and that we make for the door. But I am a bit mesmerised, to tell the truth. Tell me, my dear, who are you? I'm teetering on the point of telling him exactly who I am, and then, just in time, I pull myself back from the brink. His attention is snapped off by the doorbells. Someone is coming in. Come on, Brenda, Effie urges. There's something unwholesome about this place. But we are brought up short when we see who is entering the shop. It's Abigail Lurcher, Barry's catatonic wife. She's in a nasty tracksuit and her hair is in a scrunchie. She flinches visibly at the sight of us in this cavern of childish things. Effie nudges me and surreptitiously points out what Mrs Lurcher is carrying. 
the shopping bag is crammed full with the ratty furry form of a lifeless puppet. The end of a tattered wing flopping over the top tells us that Abigail has brought Tolstoy with her. Effie and I bustle back out of the shop because it's time to take our cream tea. As we sip our heavily sugared assam, we stew over our most peculiar visit. Effie loves a mystery even more than I do. Late afternoon has us meandering the country roads back to Whitby, cutting through the churchyard of St Mary's and down the 199 steps. I pick up some groceries and a bag full of minty chocolate from the chocolatier. We're both exhausted from all our walking and we say goodbye happily outside our neighbouring homes. At last I can draw the curtains and slip on my housecoat, lock the doors and relax. Nina Simone on the turntable and Sherry in a schooner with a heap of magazines and a couple of murder books Effie has pushed on me. I fall asleep in my chair and don't even wake when my reading matter falls onto the carpet. The gramophone needle hisses at the end of the record and I don't turn a hair. I carry on dozing. Or do I? Do I instead stand up all of a sudden at 11 o'clock? Do I swap my slippers for shoes and pull on my good woolen coat? And then do I go stumping down my stairs, letting myself into the side passage, locking my guest house behind me? I might be dreaming, but the sea breeze feels real. It doesn't wake me, and nor does the noise of the late-night revellers I encounter on the seafront. The amusement arcades are garish and grotesque as real life as I march past them. I find I'm walking stiffly, mechanically. Does this look peculiar to passers-by? I can't stop myself stepping onto the pier where it's much less busy and well-lit. The noise of the sea blocks out every other sound. A shaft of fear goes through me as I realise I can't see the end of the pier. I have a horrible, confusing memory of somebody once trying to drown me. Strong, familiar hands attempted to hold my head under choppy, freezing waters. Waters just like these. Right now I want to be back on my green bobbly armchair in my cosy attic. What on earth has possessed me to send me out here this late at night? Almost at the end of the pier, cloaked in darkness. Looking back at the town, I see the tallest cliffs on either side and the lights of the hotels. Looking suddenly hellish rather than welcoming. Suddenly my head is spinning. It's as if my mind has come loose. There's a terrific flash of pain. There is someone else in here with me. Does that sound crazy? But they are in here with me, peering through a hole in my head, into my very self. I shout into the cold wind blustering off the North Sea. Come on out and show yourself. Who the devil are you? What do you want with me? The mocking laughter of the gulls is my only reply as they battle against the wind. The dark elements roar all about me, 
They soak me and push me down, stuffing up my ears with white foaming noise. My feet slip, taking me closer to the stony edge. Still that ghastly sensation of someone peeking into my skull. How can you do this? What makes you think you can do this to me? After a few minutes more of tottering about in the black air, at last a voice comes to me. It hammers into my head and its force pushes me to my knees. You've met me once already. Don't you know the sound of my voice? Oh, it's like the worst migraine I ever had. All at once I know who this is. Barry Lurcher, it's you. Where are you? I thought you liked me. <laughs> There's an oily chuckle. I twist round as if I could find him. But I am pinioned to the very edge of the pier. There's no barrier between me and the tossing sea. I'm inside you, Brenda. The sheer force of my will has penetrated every fibre of your shambolic mortal remains. Shambolic? Who are you to talk to me like this? I am the puppet master, and you are my plaything. You find yourself enthralled to my ineffable will. <laughs> so there you have it, I think. Just another silly man with a need to dominate women in order to satisfy his dodgy ego. He's playing mind games with me, literally, since I can feel his presence inside my mind. And his physical self is nowhere to be seen. I could make you dance and pirouette your nasty old cadaver into the freezing brining. And who would know? They'd think you'd top yourself. I am horrified by his cruelty. I struggle to remain in command of myself. Mine isn't a miserable existence. I have a very nice life as it happens. I might not look like much to the likes of you with your showbiz lifestyle and being some kind of wicked sorcerer to boot. But I'm actually quite content these days, thank you very much. <laughs> he laughs and the pressure of his will relents enough to allow me to step back from the edge. I don't intend to kill you. Not yet. Not quite yet. Good night, Brenda. Good night, you horrible old monster. Then he was gone. He was out of my mind. And I was alone on the pier in a rising storm, but in full command of my faculties once more. I knew that the so-called puppet master would strike again.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.